0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. Happy Father's Day! Oh, you can just write there. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, you guys. Um, Thirty years in, Steve and I. I know it takes a lot uh, to be a father, and so congratulations—you've made it this far. Um, it's a—it's a big thing. It's, um, dadding is a lot of work and a lot of joy as well. So. Um, We hope that you have an amazing Father's Day today. Uh, I want to also, so I'm Stephanie. I am the Director of Adult Discipleship here at Christ Center. And um, I also want to say welcome to our online family this morning. I became aware this week that we have so many people joining us online, and not just like on Facebook and Instagram and on our website, but we also have people that like watch um, from Apple TV uh, all over. So if you are online, please say hello in the chat. And if you don't have a chat accessible, we ask that you send us an email and let us know that you are um, with us, because then it's really fun for the staff to know beyond your sweet faces who else uh, is with us. So it is Father's Day, and I knew that if Steve were up here uh, this morning... I knew he would take full advantage of bragging about our first grandchild. So I thought I would do it for him. So we have a picture of Atlas, who's a little over a year old. And if we can, oh, yep, there he is. And Atlas is worshiping Jesus with us from his living room in Spokane. So that's what's kind of fun about this picture is they watch. They're part of our Christ Center family. They just do it from Spokane. And that's our sweet little baby uh, worshiping Jesus. So that's fun. And there's my braggy grandma moment. Okay, Uh, also I wanted to give you an update. Some of you know and have been praying, and we thank you. Steve had surgery Monday, and he is here back there. And um, we just wanted to say thank you guys for the prayers. And yesterday he kind of finally came out of the fog of anesthesia and uh, was able to get here today. So we're so grateful to be surrounded. I mean, I cannot tell you how... Beautiful. I mean, I look at your faces. So, so many of you reached out to us this week and just offered to be a support and a help and just that love um, is what being part of a church community is so, such a gift and a blessing to have. So we are grateful and thank you for that. This morning we are uh, finishing a series called Inside Out. We were going to start at Rooted, but uh, just plans changed a little bit and we're just going to do a final uh, in the series Inside Out. And I want to start with a question. And this is my question to you and to me, and the question is, have you ever been in a place where you have to stay, you have to remain, but everything in you wants to run, to flee, to get out of dodge, but you know you have to just stay in that spot? When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the dental chair. And if you know me, you know that I literally have a support group for going to the dentist. Like, it creates so much, truth be known, this wasn't in my notes, I have not been to the dentist since before COVID, because it creates such anxiety. But I know it's good for me. I know I need to go. And usually, I can get the appointment made, usually I cancel the first time, but then the second time I get there, and I'm sitting in the chair, and I'm like, this is good for me, this is good for me. I have the I have the best dentist. He actually used to be one of my youth group kids. So he always teases me and it makes it a little less stressful. And I'm sitting there and you know the the nice ladies talking to me and all that. And then either they come close to me with cotton, which is like nails on the board, or they start that drill. And in those moments, like, my whole body is just like, run, what are you doing, run? And I have to dig so, so deep to be able to stay in that chair. Another example, uh, I worked at Cashmere uh, Elementary School for one year. Uh, I was the librarian. And during that year, it was my second weekend, and I had these second graders coming through the line, and they were um, turning in their borrowed books and we're about halfway through the line and i'm i think at that time i might have been the only adult in the whole library and i have like 25 26 you know 6 7 year olds and so um you know it's a big job to manage all those kids so i'm i'm doing this and all of a sudden over the intercom this was years ago but over the intercom comes these words elementary vale school staff we have a runner I don't know what that means. I have no idea what that means. Is that code? Am I supposed to do something? I'm looking out the windows. And the, you know, the second graders are looking at me like, we well, don't know, don't ask us. And I'm, I don't know, I don't know what to do. So I just keep going because that's my job and I'm supposed to manage these kids and so far everything seems fine. And so we get through the day and I go into the, the office after and I ask and I learned something new that day. I learned that there's a lot of elementary school children that don't like to go to school. They don't want to be there. And yet, they're highly encouraged to go to school. They're highly encouraged to be there because the grown-ups in their lives know and understand that learning to read is good, that learning to write is good, learning to share, learning to become friends. These are all really good, healthy things, and so these kiddos are encouraged to be in school. Well, apparently, you know, you kind of get through September, October, I guess somewhere around November, some of these kiddos kind of hit their breaking point. So they, they're, they're taken to school, they get there, they get through the first hour, second hour, and then I guess usually it's, this is like a thing, usually it's about third hour of the day. And one of these kids is sitting in their desk and they're stressed, and they're overwhelmed, and they're, it's hard, and they're tired, and they want a snack, and they miss their mom, and all of a sudden, they just go for it, and they bolt. This is real. So they jump out of their desk, and they run. And so there's a thing. It's called We've Got a Runner. And, and so I guess the very first time this happened with the lady that I was talking to, the kiddo actually made it out of the doors, made it all the way to the parking lot, and found an unlocked car door got into the car and locked the doors because they were not going back to school. But how many of us have had those moments, right? I've had those moments where I want to lock the doors, I want to run away, and I want to be done. A few, uh, or actually, last weekend, Steve and I had the pri- I don't know what day it is. Uh, last weekend, Steve and I had the privilege of officiating our very first wedding together. Um, My first wedding ever, I was a nervous wreck. My feet were sweating all day long, and my feet don't even sweat. So, I mean, I was just so nervous. Prior to the wedding, we had met with the bride and groom a couple of times, and they had shared their lovely story, how they met, um, all the funny things about their story, which, you know, we all have in our relationship stories. We have these moments. And so they were sharing all that, and it, it was beautiful and fun. But then they shared something with me that stuck with me long after we met with them. It just was in my brain, in my head. And I remember thinking, gosh, this doesn't just apply to a married couple. This applies to every one of us. And we all should have, so they had words etched on their wedding bands. And I was thinking, we all should have those words etched on our foreheads on our arms, everywhere. And the words are, remain in my love. Remain in my love. Those words are beautiful. Those words are strong. Those words are a challenge. There's power in those words. And those words come from the Bible. They come from the book of John in the New Testament. And they come from the first 17 verses of that chapter. And so I'm going to give you a little context, and then I'm going to actually read it, um, because I was so touched by it. I just, I've been meditating on it ever since, and I I don't know. I just, I hope it encourages you as much as it's encouraged me. So to set this up, the words in John 15, 1 through 17 are Jesus talking. And he's talking to a group of people, and this group of people have been basically with him for three to three and a half years, day in and day out. Now, I'm sure some of them have straggled off, and I'm sure some have joined. But overall, there's this group of people, and they are following Jesus. And they're studying him, and they're pondering him. And they're not sure what to think of him. I think some of them followed him because they were attracted to his power, because he was doing these incredible things. He was healing the sick. He was bringing justice to places where there was no justice. He was raising up the oppressed. He was forgiving those that the culture and the society did not forgive. He was giving grace. He was giving kindness. He was loving people, the least of these, right where they were at. And I think some people were drawn to that. Some people were drawn to his kindness. I think some people were drawn to this whole idea that he was God and man, and what does that mean, and what does that look like, and, and trying to figure out, is he really God? And some people had actually decided, and they had said, yes, I believe this man truly is the son of God. So it's this whole group of people. That particular group of people that had decided, yes, he is the son of God, they had put all of their trust into this man, into Jesus, all of their trust. And they had expectations and they had hopes of how the days and weeks to come were gonna play out You know we do that, right? So if, like, I'm going to go on vacation in August. So I start to have in my mind these thoughts and these ways that things are going to go. Before you get married, you kind of have these ideas and thoughts of how it's going to play out. Or before you graduate from high school, you're going to go to college, and you have these expectations and these hopes and these dreams of how things are going to be. And this group of people was no different. They were following him, and they were, like, They had given everything. They had given up their lives to follow this man and they believed in him and they had sold out the whole route to Jesus. And so these words that we're going to read are Jesus talking to them and he knows something they don't understand. And that is that in a very short time, he is going to be crucified. He is going to be put on a cross. He's going to have nails through his hands. That cross is going to be raised up. He is going to be spit on. He is going to be persecuted. He is going to be blamed falsely. He's going to be mocked. All these things are going to happen. And Jesus, now this is the crazy thing. This is the thing about Jesus that is mind-blowing when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus, in that moment, he knows what's going to happen. And that's not what he's thinking about. He's thinking about this group of people. And what is going to happen when he, this, this leader of theirs the leader that they've all followed for three and a half years, all of a sudden appears powerless. He appears like he couldn't handle it. What happens then? And then he's buried? What's going to happen to these people? They're going to lose their leader. And Jesus knows that, and so he's trying to prepare them. He's trying to get them ready for what is to come. This section of Scripture is not just written Jesus wasn't just speaking to that group of people. He was speaking to every person between then and now. Because Jesus came here to give all of us, all of humanity, an example of what this life is about and how we're to live it. Jesus is the model. He's the best model, I'm, I'm convinced. I'm convinced he is, he is the way the truth, and the life. And so he was showing them, but he was showing us. So these are the words. I'm going to read them to you. One last thing before I do. This is really 17 verses of scripture that needs to be read multiple times. Because the first time you read it, it feels like this. It's kind of Wait, what's happening? Who's what? So it's kind of a section that would be worthy of meditation like all this next week, just reading it over and over and over. But there is a word in here. So if you're like me and like two verses in, you're like, I don't know what that's talking about. I'm out. Try to stay with it and try to hear the word that is used over and over and over again. Okay, here we go. John 15, 1 through 17. Jesus says this, I am the true vine... I am the true vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Now remember, Jesus knows that he is going to die. His body physically is going to die and be put in the ground. And yet he's telling these people, remain in me. So how do you remain in him when his body isn't there anymore? If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now before I go on, I just have to do a little side note because it's gardening season. Jesus calls God the master gardener. He's the gardener, and he's over this garden. And those of us that have been working out at the learning garden, we've all noticed that there's one sweet little tomato plant that's grown two tiny little green tomatoes. And you would think that we all won the lottery. We are so excited about these tiny two little tomatoes. Because when you are invested in something, and you have a hope for something, and then it starts to happen, it starts to come to fruition, you get really, really excited. And so that's what this is saying, is that when this, what this is talking about, comes to pass, God gets excited, he is glorified, his name is lifted up. When our garden starts to look pretty, and it becomes a place of peace, and it becomes a place of hope, and it becomes a place of sustenance and learning, That is good. And the gardeners get excited. As the Father has loved me, Jesus says, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy, this is Jesus talking, he's about to go to the cross, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy, your joy may be complete. Hello. (laughs) Okay, so Jesus's joy is in us and our joy, there's a, there's a, a nugget here. This is somehow connected to our joy as well. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Remember, he's going to the cross. They don't understand that. We know that. They can't comprehend that, that their leader, this man of power, this man who knows what he's doing, this man that when you're with him, you're like, oh my goodness, it makes sense. They, for the life of them, cannot understand why all of a sudden that would be gone. So they don't believe it, they're not tracking. But Jesus is letting them know, I've got a plan. And when I have laid down my life, understand I did it for you. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. We know the business, the business is gardening, the business is fruit. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command love each other. So, what's the word? Remain. 11 times in 17 verses. So now this is my question, (laughs) how on earth do we remain when all those feelings and emotions, just like the kiddo at elementary school and me in the dental chair, in relationships, right? We have relationships where there are moments of unmet expectations, there's moments of conflict, There's moments where we've put our trust in somebody and they have failed that trust. There's moments where they have hurt, wounded us deep. How do we love each other? How? When that happens. We all know. We all live it. We're living it. It's hard. So how do we do it? So these verses tell us. So the first thing... Jesus tells us, is he says, um, remain in my word, or let my words remain in you. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. So this group of people, they had heard Jesus For three to three and a half years, they had heard him teaching, they had heard him preaching, they had seen him living it out. He was telling parables, he was telling stories, he was sitting and have conversations with them at mealtime. So they had heard the words of Jesus. He was speaking to them right now, in this moment, right? So they were hearing his words. Now, we don't get to walk with Jesus in physical form, but we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in our Bibles, and the words of Jesus are there, and they're recorded. And I think so often, this is our first, like, mistake. This is our first where we get off. Because I think all of us, probably, if most of us, probably not all of us, some of you are very disciplined, but most of us struggle to remain in his word And so we're not reminded daily of his words. And so then we get out there in the world and something hits us and somebody lets us down and somebody doesn't meet our expectations or somebody on social media, a Christian, says this thing and you're like, what? And you want to run. And you want to flee. But I think that what Jesus is saying is if we remember his words, if we absorb his words, if we get his word into us, then we are going to have the power to live out our mission. So listen to this. I just grabbed some words from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are Jesus' words. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. This man isn't sick because of sin. He is sick so the glory of God can be revealed. He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Probably for some of us this morning, that hits us square between the eyes. And, but we forget. We forget to get the word inside of us, the words of Jesus. We need those words to do what he's called us to do, which is remain in his love. So that's one thing. The second thing Jesus says to them is this. He says, to remain in my love is to obey my commands. Well, we know there's a lot of commands. We know there's the Ten Commandments. We, we know there's like all these rules in Christianity, right? That's why this church is an overflowing impact. Because people get so discouraged by the rules, they just quit. They run. But Jesus simplifies it. He says, obey my commands, and he says, this is the command, love each other in the same way I have loved you. Now remember, that group of people was all over the board as far as where they stood with Jesus. Some were following him because of his power, some were following him because of his kindness, some were following him out of pure interest and intrigue. And some were his friends and were truly connected and, and, and following him. And they got it. And they had relationship with him. But Jesus doesn't differentiate those to this group of people. He doesn't say, okay, well, you guys, you need to love each other. But no, you guys over here, and you guys don't have to love these guys. No, he just says, love each other as I have loved you. And we know what they didn't know that he was about to go to the cross. So what kind of love? And I think what Jesus also knew, what happens when your leader, um, we used to have this saying on staff years and years and years ago, when the cat's away, the mice will play. When the leader's away, what happens? All of a sudden, this starts happening because the leader isn't there. And all of a sudden, Jesus' body isn't gonna be there. So Jesus is getting at something deeper than his physical presence. He's getting at the words that he left us. He's getting at the love that he modeled, lifting up injustice, loving the least of these, having the back of the oppressed. That's what Jesus was getting at, and he was going to take it all, every bit of it, be crucified so we would get it. That's what Jesus was doing right here. So he said, love each other the way that I have loved you. And we must remember, too, that when Jesus was up on that cross, some of the most powerful words that we can ever remember, Father, forgive Stephanie because she doesn't know what she's doing. Father, forgive Christ Center because they don't know what they're doing we're all falling short. We do daily, but the words of Jesus help us. They empower us. They help us remain in his love when we're tempted to run. So easy in theory, so hard in practice. So a couple of things to empower you today. One, remember the mission. Jesus said that we are to bear fruit. And that fruit is love. It comes, so love is the umbrella, and then underneath the umbrella is patience, kindness, long-suffering, protecting. Those are all, there's a whole list of them in the Bible, of things that come under that umbrella of love. And Jesus is saying, remember the mission. And I think some of the most powerful words in these 17 verses He said, you are chosen and you are anointed. Appointed, but also anointed. Anointed by the Holy Spirit, but appointed is what it says in these verses. You are chosen and you are appointed to bear the fruit of love. That's it, it's so simple. So we must remember the vision. We must remember to remain and not run in those relationships. Now, we can remain physically and run spiritually and run emotionally and run in every other way. So I can be standing here in physical form, but my heart might be far away from that loving mission. Now, I'm not saying that we always, that we need to be in an unhealthy relationship. I'm not saying that but I think we can always love. That might be praying for somebody, but are we really praying, right? That might be, I don't know, God, the Holy Spirit has to show us, and that's why we have to be in the words of Jesus all the time to know what to do. But we are called to love, and I think so often we run instead of remain. And here's the final thing. I don't know about you, but I can preach this sermon I can preach it, and I'm going to get home, and I'm going to be tested, and I'm going to be tested all week, and I was tested last week. It's so easy to say it. It's so easy to know it. It's so easy to take notes in church. It's so easy, and we go out, and we're like, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to love that enemy of mine. I'm going to love him. I'm going to love him. I'm going to love him. They said what about me? Are you kidding? They said that about me? They gave me that look. I'm so over that look. Are you kidding me? They didn't put the toilet seat down again? <sighs> Are we, have they not gotten this yet? Right? right, see, you can tell this is my struggle. Okay, how do we do this? There was a verse in there that said, ask for anything you want and it will be granted to you. That is not talking about that million dollar condo on Lake Chelan with the boat and the full-time retirement that I want. Not what it's talking about. It's talking about Master Gardener, Father God, Savior Jesus, who loved me so much that you were falsely accused for me, that you were willing to be spit on for me, that you were willing to suffer physical pain for me. Jesus, help me. To know how to love others the way that you love me. That's the ask for. And if we ask for that, Scripture promises us that Jesus will do that for us. And it might not happen tomorrow. It's a process. Our salvation, that inside-out transformation, is a process. It's a journey. And we need to give each other grace in that journey. We're not to look at, well, David Dustin still hasn't gotten it five years in. Is he even a Christian? No. Stephanie, have you still not gotten it? Pray more. Read Jesus' words more. God, change me. Change me. I need your power. My human nature, Steve talked about this. He said, We can will it for a season. If we're just willing it, I'm going to change. I'm going to be patient. 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 That's not bothering me. That's not bothering me. And then we blow. But if the Holy Spirit, we are asking the Holy Spirit, change me, change me. It's got to be you. I am weak. Over time, healing, over time, transformation, over time, change. All right, this is my ending, this beautiful rose. I was teasing the core, all of our volunteers that get here early on Sunday morning who are so awesome. Uh, I was teasing them that I just knew that all dads love roses, so I brought a rose bush. But that's not really true. Okay, so as I was preparing this for the wedding, I got this picture, this kind of epiphany So Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches, right? So we've got some vines in here. It's way down here. You guys can't see the vine, but it's here. And from that vine, we've grown these branches. And then at the end of the branch, we're going to call this the fruit, right? Beauty. God is in the beauty-making business. So we have these beautiful roses. And it struck me that when I look at the vine and I look at the branch... I cannot see how or what the vine is doing to help this grow. I cannot see it. And yet somehow from that vine, energy, life, water, good things are flowing through that branch and growing this. So in our own lives, sometimes we're not going to see it. And we need to give ourselves grace while we're waiting for that transformation to happen. Also, we all have a choice. There was on here, oh yeah, this guy. I can choose to run. I can choose to not remain I'm tempted to run when it gets hard and uncomfortable and painful, and it requires me to not be self-focused. When it's self-preservation, I'm a self-preserver. You hurt me, and I like, and then I do this, because I don't like to be hurt. I think it's human nature. And so we break away because it hurts and it's painful. But when that happens, we break away from the ability of God to transform us. And in order to stay connected and grow these beautiful roses, we have to stay in His Word and we have to ask Him to change us. And that's all I got.